Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. So we're in a series right now called Sower, Seed, and Soil. But next week, we're actually going to have a guest with us, and it's going to be Jared and Alicia Gregory. And maybe you recognize their name, but about a year ago, they felt God call them to start a church in Utah. So they're going to be going out there and doing that. And we've already, when we heard about what they were doing, the missions board got together and was like, let's send these guys a fat check. And we've done it. And we are real excited because they're going to be here next week. They haven't launched the church yet, but they're going to give us kind of an update of where things are, what's going on, and they're going to be sharing. But here's something we are going to do is we are going to be taking a special offering for them, for the church next week. And I tell you that not to say like, hey, go get your wallet and pray and then like bring, bring money, but to tell you this, pray. And if God tells you to do something, do it. If he doesn't, don't. But that's coming next week, but I want to give you the opportunity to seek God, to pray, and he's going to be here. Very excited for that. But we're in this series, Seed, talking about the sowers, the seed, and the soil. And Jesus told stories. He was a storyteller. And they say this, that facts fade but stories stick. If I tell you my car broke down, you're like, great. It happens to everybody. But if I'm like, well, you know, I was coming back from Tulsa and I was with Brian, so you know that it had to be interesting. And like, um, my, my car had a problem where the wheel started to make some noise and to stop the car, the, the, the noise from happening, I had to kind of like just drift back and forth in my car. And I was like, I didn't want the noise to happen because the noise means friction and friction means heat. And I'm like, I'm coming back from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I, I got to get home. And then if I tell you that I got pulled over by 21 police cars, you're like, there's a story there. I want to know more. Like, please, please. It's a little bit different. Stories. But that's what Jesus used over and over and over is he used stories. And in particular, they called them parables because they were stories, but they have deep meaning. There was more to the story than just the, what's on the surface. And so we're reading in Matthew chapter 13, and it's the parable, the story, the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, verse 3. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was sowing, some seed fell along a path. The birds came and devoured it. Some fell along the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun rose, the seedlings were scorched. They were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the seedlings. Still other seeds fell on the good soil, and it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirtyfold. And we began this last week, and we're like, first off, he wasn't trying to teach farmers how to plant seed. Like, that's not what he's talking about. And in fact, Jesus explains the parable, and he says this starting in verse 18. Consider the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom of God but doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. And we jumped into that last week. If you missed it, get online, download that podcast. You're going to want to hear it. And then this week, verse 20, the seed sown on the rocky ground is the one who hears the word of God, receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he remains for only a season. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Now that is 
that is actually, that is every single believer at one point. Because here's what it says. It says that they receive the word of God, they receive it with joy, which absolutely, like my sins can be forgiven, I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I can experience the peace that comes from knowing God that passes all understanding. Like, yeah, eternal life with God in heaven, I'm, I'm in, absolutely. But then it says this, that they last only a short time. Now, that doesn't have to be everybody, but there's a reason why, and this is what he says, they have no root. When trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away because they have no root. Now, roots are important. Like, I like trees. I think they're awesome. They're, they're, they're fun. I like hunting in them. I like climbing them. You can do swing. Trees are awesome, but you know what they all need? They need roots. Every one of them. And many years ago, Beck and I planted some trees at our house. My mom's like, I got some trees. Do you want them? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So she brings over uh, a couple of buckets filled with about 100 trees. And they're these little saplings that she ordered in the mail. And I'm like, okay, okay, sounds good. She's like, you're going to want these. I'm like, all right, sounds good. I like trees. So we went and we found the property line and we planted about 60 of these trees. One, prop, one line here and the other line here. Well, the one side I kind of did by myself, and I was out there, and I just take the shovel down, and it's just these, they're these little tiny trees. So I take a spade down in there, and we go back and forth, and I put it in there, and I go to the step on it, go to the next one, and I, I plant a bunch. And then Becca joins me on the other property line on the west side, and we begin to plant the trees on that side. And, she's, and I, I put one in, and she's like, I don't think that's how you do it. And I'm like, I... Uh, you just put it in the ground. And she's like, nope. And you got the roots and it's got this tap root and that one. And you got to like open them up. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so we change what we're doing and, and we plant all the trees on the west side. Well, who, who, who do you think was right? <laughs> it was Becca. Becca was absolutely right. Is there something wrong, Carrie? Are we okay? Talking to Todd. Okay. She's back there doing this thing. And I'm like, I'm doing something wrong. I don't know what's going on, but I'm getting the universal stop sign. And I'm like, oops, my bad. Back to the trees. So we got the trees in the yard. Becca was absolutely right. So now on the one property side, we've got pine trees. They're 20, 25 feet tall. They're doing great. But then you go over to the other property line, the one that I did, and a bunch of them died and didn't make it. Some of them are about this tall, and a few of them are like 15 and finally starting to do something some 13 years later. Roots make a difference. They make all the difference. It's really what's below ground that supports what we see and love above ground. That's our roots. So what are our roots? What are our spiritual roots that we need to have that this is talking about that, that we want to make sure that we have? Because I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be excited, hear good things, and be like, woo, but then it not work out. And I'm like, uh -huh. I don't want to wither up. No, no. What, do we, what does that need to be? Well, number one is this. is Some of those roots are just, it's experience. It's experiencing God's faithfulness. It's kind of like that mountain biking that I'm talking about where because I, I'm beginning to trust my bike more and more because it's the gears are holding <laughs> instead of jumping every, every time I do something. Well, the same as God is we see God's faithfulness over and over. We trust him more and more. 
And a really good picture of this is found in the Bible with a man named David. Now, David was a shepherd. And Samuel shows up to his father's house and says, bring me your sons. And let me just, I want to point something out, that his father calls for all of his brothers, but not David. He leaves David out in the field. And the prophet Samuel comes and he looks and he says, no, do you have any other sons? And he's like, well, yeah, there is another one. (laughs) The one that I purposely didn't bring If you kind of wonder why, later in the Bible, it says that David was conceived in sin, so he may have been like the the son that Jesse's like, ah, yeah, he's there, but he's not there. Oh, you knew about him. (laughs) Okay, may have been one of those things. So David gets called in, and he comes, and he is anointed in front of his brother's king. He's anointed, but he's not taken directly to the palace. In fact, his dad's like, great, that's over, get back to the sheep. He goes right back out to the sheep. Well, sometime later, sometime later, David is sent out to battle. The Israelites are all out there. They're lined up. The enemy, the Philistines, are on the other side. And David's older brothers are out there in the battle. And his father says, go bring some food to your brothers and tell me how things are going. Well, David gets out there. And when he shows up, he hears a Philistine champion named Goliath, a giant that's standing up in front of everybody. And he says, hey, we don't need to fight a battle. You send out your champion. If he defeats me, that'll settle this whole thing. We'll be your slaves. But if I defeat him, you will become our slaves. And nobody dares to go fight this guy. Well, David shows up. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 31 David shows up and he's like, Who, what will be done for the person that goes and fights this guy? What David said is overheard and is reported to Saul. Saul's the king at the time. And Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go at a fight against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Come on, I like this guy. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. That's a story I want more of. Like, this is awesome. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And then he says this, get this part. The story's incomplete without it. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. He had experience. He had been anointed, but you want to know what he did? He went right back to doing the same thing that he'd always been doing. He went right back to shepherding. But he did it differently. And in that, he gained some experience. He was shepherding, and, and, and it speaks in here of a lion and a bear. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I bet there was a wolf, a coyote, a fox, and maybe a groundhog before that, that he began to chase off so that when the time came and a giant's there, what does he have? He has experience. He says, my God was faithful. He delivered me before. He will do it again. What he did before, he will do again. I love experience. 
But experience is one of those things that you, you get it on the job. The good thing is, David got the experience that he needed to kill a giant watching over some sheep. I think often we think, well, the experience I need, I can't get where I am. Well, you don't understand the job and the, and the culture at my work or where I am. And God's like, oh, no, 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 you wait, you watch. You work that job, you work there, you do this, and you do it heartily as under the Lord, and God can, God can prepare us for where he wants us to be right where we are. And he does it over and over. We see it in the Bible. He doesn't need to move you to some special place so you can get special training. There's not, well, if this person would mentor me, if they would notice me and pay attention to me, well, then they would help me. No, God notices you, God is paying attention to you, and he's the one that you need to be doing that with. And so David is here, and so he gets this experience because he's taking care of these sheep in a new way. And he recognizes the God that rescued me from the lion and the bear. He's the same one, and he'll do again what he did then. He'll do it again. Man, experience. But experience is, it's experience. And if you don't have it, how do you get it? You got to do something. It's like going to a job interview. You show up and they're like, well, we need someone more experience. Like, hire me and I'll get experience. <laughs> and they're like, mm, not enough. And you're like, well, how do I get some? Well, you got to get hired somewhere. You could be that somewhere. <laughs> Let's work this out. Let's make this happen. But the experience that we need, man, we can get that for ourselves. And here's the other thing that we can do and where we can find that experience is we can get around people who have gone farther and done things that we have not yet done. We can get around some older believers. Man, it's small group season right now. We're just kicking these back off. And man, I love, I love small groups. Get together with some people. But let me just say this. Consider getting in a group with with some people that are just older than you. Don't just find a group. Maybe you need to get in two just so that you can get in one where you're like, hey, this is really fun, but then you get in another one and you're like, I'm just there to learn. They've been married twice as long as I have. They successfully raised kids and launched them. They're out of the house. Hallelujah, they did it. I want to do that too. Get around some people that have done it, that have been there, that have seen God's faithfulness, and you can just be like, okay, tell me about it. What did you do in this situation? How did you handle it? And they're like, well, this is, this is how it works. God was faithful and we just... We need to be able to hear those stories. We need that experience. The second type of root that I want to talk about today makes me think of redwood trees because I heard this years ago that redwood trees are those huge, awesome, amazing trees. They'll grow th over 300 feet tall, Huge trees, 25 plus feet. What, they're just, just ginormous. Cars drive through them. I'm like, I love it. And then I heard something about their root system. That, that those redwood trees, they don't have a tap root. They don't have that one deep root that just keeps going and going and going and going. But what instead they do is that their roots are actually only 6 to 12 foot deep. And I'm like, oh, how do they, how do they, the 300 foot tree? I mean, like, like, you've got to be kidding me. Because I know, I, know, I know that roots can be strong. I remember I was pulling some, some, some bushes out from in front of my house. And they were, they, were, they were bushes, so they weren't very tall, but they'd been there a while. My house was built, I'm not even exactly sure, like somewhere in the, the, the 50s. 
And so I buy this thing. I think these bushes had probably been there close to 50 years by the time I go to pull these things out. And I go to pull these out, and I've got this little Ford Ranger thing, and I'm yanking on them, and they won't, they won't budge. I got a toe strap that's probably as wide as this room. I had two of them together, and I backed up all the way to them, and then I just like charged the road. Asked my neighbors about it. They had so much fun watching. And I'd hit the end of this thing, and it was like a yo-yo. Boom. These bushes would not move. And I'm like, I know the problem. The problem is I'm in my grass. I need to move over onto my asphalt, and then I'll do it, and that'll get this going. And so then I move over that way, and I try again. And I could not pull these things out. So finally, I dig down, and I'm going, I'm trying to do this, and I'm just like in there with an with a axe, and I'm hacking away at the ground and everything I can find in all the roots, all the way around this thing. I'm like, what is still holding on? And I dig a little deeper. You want to know what I find? I find that tap root, the one root right at the bottom of this thing that just goes right down to the heart of the earth. I promise. That thing was all the way down there. <laughs> and I cut that thing like, boop, the whole thing just comes out. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I got four more of these things. <laughs> My neighbors are like, this is great. They're sipping coffee, having fun. But these, these redwood trees don't have that. I'm like, well, how do they grow 300 feet tall? But this is what they do. You don't find a redwood tree all alone. What you do is you find a grove of them. And this redwood tree grows, and its roots come this way, and another redwood tree grows here, and their roots intermingle and twine, and they hold each other up. It is a network of roots. And as a result, the whole forest of redwoods is incredibly strong, and they don't just get blown over because of their roots, but not just because of their roots, but because they're networked with other trees. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them fall down, one can help the other, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. Part of our spiritual root system is relationships. It's the people that we surround ourselves with. They're meant to hold us up like those redwood trees. And we're meant to help hold them up. That when winds and troubles and storms come through, that we're not just standing all by ourselves, but there's others around us that are like, yeah, we've got this. That they just show up. That they're there. We are meant for that. We need other people around us. And I think in many ways, we just, we just naturally know that. Years ago, we got an opportunity. I was working at a church as a youth pastor, and somebody came up to... Uh, my dad was the pastor of the church. Somebody came up to my dad and was like, hey, I've got a ranch in Montana I want to run church camps, camps at. Will you come show us how to do that? So I get called in and they're like, hey, you've done all of our kids' camps. Will you, will you kind of show, show these guys how to run a camp? I'm like, sure. I'll have to just like, like, like run a camp. You can't really just like say it. You just do it. Like this is what you do. And they're like, yeah, do it. I'm like, sounds good. So we go out there and we... We look at this camp. They've never done a camp there before. And I'm like, all right. And I go and I spend some time out in Montana and I see it. And then I come back and they're like, 
do you have it all figured out? I'm like, no, I need to go scout out some more stuff. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go. So I, I, I schedule a flight, and I'm headed out to Montana. And one of the guys, um, one, one of my bosses comes up to me, and he's like, hey, um, who's, 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 who's going with you to Montana? And I'm like, me. And he's like, you're going to be alone? I'm like, yeah. And, and, and so I go, and I do it. So I go out to Montana. I spend like five or six days all by myself out in Montana just scouting out, figuring out all this stuff that we're going to do and climbing mountains, and it was awesome. I loved it. Well, I come back, and, and then... Next year, they're like, hey, you want to come do this again? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to go scout some of the stuff out because some of the things that we did, we, we would go rock climbing. But in the wild, when you rock climb, if you don't go and check, ice and stuff forms and snow and the boulder that was secure before comes falling off the mountain. So you got to go out beforehand, climb up to the top, belay back down and pull giant rocks off the side of this cliff that we'd climb. So I'm like, I got to go do this. And they're like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. But don't go alone. And I'm like, okay, who wants to go with me? And then I tell them what I'm doing. They're like, no, no, we don't want to go. They're like, but you can't go alone. And of course, I'm 20. I'm like, well, why not? I'm, I'm, I'm good. And they're like, no, you, you need somebody else with you in case something happens. You shouldn't be alone. And I'm like, okay, I'll... Who, who do I try to take somebody out there with me? So a friend and I, we went out there, and they're like, no more going places alone like that. I'm like, okay, fine. They didn't want me alone, just in case something happened. Nothing, nothing did. There was a couple of really close calls, but nothing ever did. But they're like, we don't, and some of you, I tell that story, and you're like, he's an idiot. In so many ways, he's so stupid. Obviously, God can use me if you can use that idiot. Like, oh, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> Absolutely. Because we, we know that there's things that we shouldn't do alone. Let me just say, you and I, we're not meant to do life alone. You're not an island. You're not meant to be. We join the body of Christ. Okay? It's the body of Christ that we're all a part of it. And we're meant to do life together. But it says, pity the man who falls and there's no one there to help. There's no one there to help. And let me say, it's in those moments that you're like, man, I could really use some help. But you build the relationships when you might think you don't need them. Because things are good. But that's when you build the relationships that you need when things aren't good. And you might be sitting here like, no, I'm fine. I'm glad you are, but now's the time to build some relationships. And maybe you're the one that needs help, or maybe you're the one that gets to help somebody else when things don't go well, when they get the call from the doctors and things aren't right, or something falls through, or the storm hits them, and like, we don't know what to do, and what are we supposed to do with our child? We don't know how this is... Maybe you get to be at the help. We're not meant to do life alone. We need each other. 1 John 1.19 says this. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So confess your sins to God. That's where we go for forgiveness. James 5.16. Therefore confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to God and be forgiven. Where does healing come from? 
Confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. We need relationships. We need great relationships. We need people in our life that we can go to and talk to and be like, hey, this isn't working. We need people that we can go and be like, um, my marriage is not going where it should be. I need help. People that we can be honest with. People that you're not putting under, that you can just flat out just say, hey, this is what's going on. I don't know what to do. You can just walk up to them and like, hey, I made a really big mistake. And they're like, okay, what, let, let's do this. Let's figure this out. Let's do this. Let me say it this way. We need someone, you need, I need somebody in our life that knows our biggest weakness. They know your deep, dark secret, and you know that you can trust them with it, and that they're helping you with it. We, we need that. You will, never get, you will never get free from, grow beyond something that you keep hidden. We have to have people. And I know it's not fun. I've had that conversation where I sit down with my good friend and just be like, um, I'm screwing up. And he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm looking at porn. My wife found out. This is not fun conversations to have. But he's like, okay. He's like, no, this is what we're going to do about it. He's like, first we're going to pray and we're going to get together. And okay, I'm going to be your accountability. And accountability isn't accountability. If you don't want to say it, I can only be as accountable as you can. And you have to be honest with me. And who has access to what and what's going on. And by the grace of God, and Becca's thinking amazing, awesome. We're doing well today. And it's great. But that, it's not fun. But we need those relationships. We need them. For you to be and do all that God's created you to be and do, you need great people around you. These relationships, they don't grow on trees. I wish they did. Like, okay, we also don't do like duck one, two, one, two. You guys are paired. We have a fun. Like, <laughs> left side, right side. You picked really well today, and this is what we're going to do. And No. No, it takes time. But one thing that we do, it's a great way to meet people who are excited to build the kingdom of God and grow spiritually, is small groups. <laughs> and guess what just started up today? Our next small group season. And I know it can be awkward showing up somewhere that, with people that you're like, well, I don't know, like the, they look, their picture looked okay. <laughs> In the mountain biking group, you're like, it's just a mountain bike. Like, uh, well, how bad could that be? Like, it's mountain biking. It's going to be awesome. But you just kind of, you show up somewhere and you're like, well, what are these people going to be like? And what if I don't like it? Leave. It's easy. Just leave. <laughs> don't go back. That works too. You're like, you go to one, you're like, it was a good story, but we're not going back to that one. That works too. It's okay to try it out, to try out a group, to show up and say, you know what? Yeah, those are my people. I think, I think we can get to know them a little bit better. Or maybe you leave and you're just like, mm-mm, I tried that shoe on as the wrong size, as the wrong size shoe. But what that doesn't mean is you're like, I'm never wearing shoes again. That was horrible. Ugh. No. You, you find a different group. That it's going to be different. If you look at all the groups that we've got and you're like, I don't like any of those. Good. Start one. Start one. Host a group. 
And here's what our groups are. They're, 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 they're all kinds of stuff. Because I don't, most of us are not looking to add something new to our plate. Plates are pretty full. But what we want to do, and I encourage everyone to do, is to take the things you love and leverage them for the kingdom of God. If you're like, I love camping, and this is what we like doing, then, then, then take your Fridays and Saturdays. I didn't say Sunday. Note that. Take your Fridays and Saturdays and get groups and go camp different places and then come back. And, or maybe, maybe it's coffee, and so you do coffee, or it's running, and have a running group. Or it's just, it's, it's a walking group, and you get together and walk, or you take your kids to the park all together, and they just kind of hang out, and, and, and you guys, you just talk. And, or maybe it's four-wheeling, four and so you guys go four-wheeling together. But just, just invite God into the middle of whatever it is. And build some relationships, and see what happens and where they go. And maybe you just get together and have some good times. Or maybe you get together and you guys are just kind of there one day and you're like, you know what, I think God brought us together for more than just kicks and giggles. We got something that we need to be doing for the kingdom of God and who knows where it goes. This church, we got together with our small group that we'd been meeting with and we're like, I think God brought us together for more than kicks and giggles. We want to start a church. Would you guys? And they're like, we're in. Where are we going? What, where's it at? Let's go. I know this. You will never be how God has called you to be all by yourself. The things that God is calling you to do, they're too big for you, they're too big for me, but together we can do so much more if we each just do our part. Let me encourage you, I'm gonna say it over and over again, get in a small group. It's about a 12-week season. Some of the groups meet a little bit shorter, a little bit longer. Some of them, they have a curriculum that they're doing. Others, they don't but get in one, give it a try. And you have my permission to go to a group and leave. If you don't like it, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Start a group, host one. It's really simple. You can go online, it's lifewest.church and say, host a group and click on that. We'll help you know what to do and connect you with some people. And then just, just invite some people and put God at the center. We mountain bike and then we pray. And we build relationships The root system that you and I are meant to have, experience absolutely. Step out in faith and trusting God and seeing him faithful over and over. Getting around people who are farther than us, again, in small groups in any way that we can. They say, man, we want to hear from you and, and, and hearing how God was faithful in their life and what they did. And the other, the other is this, it's your relationships. We're meant to support one another. Get, I don't know if I said this yet, get in a small group. Try it. Try one. If it doesn't fit, find another one. Something isn't right. You're like, hey, this is nothing looks good. Go ahead, start a group, host a group. There's plenty of time. But my prayer is that every single one of you would get in the group. There's high school groups. There's college groups. There's groups that hang out. There's groups that do Bible studies. There's groups that pray. Get in a group. But my hope would be every single one of you get in one. That you'd grow, that you'd build up the people around you. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's what we're meant to do is we're meant to help each other, to support each other. You're not an island and neither am I. Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest, but we need each other 
if we're going to do it, if we're going to be able to do all the things that God has called us to do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Man, we're talking a lot about relationships, but the most important relationship that anyone can have is a relationship with Jesus. If you do not yet have a relation, and I mean it, a relationship with him, this isn't just about going to heaven, but Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yes, when we die, we know where we go, but we also need to know where we are. And God says, I want to use you right where you are. You can leave your knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. You can know. So if you're here or maybe you're listening right now, and look, I don't know. You can know. I'd love the honor of praying with you right where you are. And I'm going to ask in just a second that you lift your hand if that's you. By lifting your hand, you're saying, I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt where I stand with God. And then we're going to pray. When we say amen, you're going to be forgiven, set free, and begin to walk out the relationship that God has with you. Get ready. If that's you, one, be super bold. You can shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Right now, all the way up, say, that's me. And today is my day. All right, let's just pray for those that are online. Let's just pray, and everyone just pray out loud. If you're listening to this right now, and you're like, that's me, then you say these words. But as you say them, say them from your heart, make them your own. And let's pray together. Everybody out loud, say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood, for dying on the cross, for me. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. Forgive me. Set me free. Make me new. In Jesus' name, I'm yours. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.